0: Hello, I'm Father Grant Naylor, parish priest of St. Matthew's Church, Carver Street, and this is Coffee with Father, a weekly 15-minute interview with someone after the weekday mass, inspired by the word of God in 1 Peter two nine: For you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. As a parish priest, I'm always fascinated about what motivates our lay people uh, and what has led them into a journey of faith and a relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. And I'm delighted to be joined today uh, by Stephen Linskill, who is our church warden uh, and a long-term sacristan, uh, so I'm interested to hear uh, some of his story today. But Stephen, first and foremost, the most important question of the interview, coffee or tea? Tea mainly, and uh, good coffee, as it keeps me. Good, yes. good coffee. So a man, a man of discerning, discerning tastes. Uh, Stephen, first question is: How long have you been uh, coming to mass here at St Matthew's? Uh, it's rather in the mists of time, but I would suggest it's over seventy years. Over seventy years? That's in, that's that's incredible. You you certainly don't look old enough, Stephen. <laughs> uh, you're doing well, um, and obviously, faith being part of your life from a very young age I mean would you say that you had a journey to faith what what did that look like for you growing up
1: I think it's been in a sort of womb of faith that uh, I think I just sort of imbibed and absorbed uh, so it wasn't quite the sort of a traditional journey I don't think and so it was uh, faith was just part of
0: household yes, a, a when you're naturalness
1: growing up. and you know the, the correct way of going on I think it seemed to be Natural, shall we say?
0: Very good. No, that's uh, that's always fascinating. I mean, some people have one of those sorts of damascene conversions to faith, but for other people, I like that phrase that you use about the womb of faith. And presumably, it was something which was shared in the household. Your Indeed. parents were yes. practicing
1: Christians. Yes, yes. My uh, father was a great. Uh, uh, well, it was uh, music was his his great thing, but I think he from a. From his sort of uh, young days, within the sort of young men's, quite a sort of intense movement in the Catholic uh, mm-hmm. uh, tradition, mm-hmm. uh, which extended over various churches to suit the conditions of the time, uh, St Oswald's being a uh, St Oswald's Abigail being a, uh, one that he went to, and later on when things permitted, uh, his made uh, St Matthew was our main place.
0: Now I remember you telling me one of the reasons why you chose St Matthews, and this is maybe a case in point for uh, any priests out there thinking about how to grow congregations, is that wasn't there something to do with the
1: time that was particularly helpful? Indeed, as the family got larger, the idea of getting such a large family together and in a decent (laughs) mode for attending church, (laughs) uh, the early masses at other churches became impossible. So 11 o'clock was the latest Mm. Sort of time, uh, and that, that suited suited the family at the time.
0: You know, I do wonder whether mass times do make a big difference actually to congregations. And I do know, uh, you know, I admire really our parents at church mm. at the moment trying to get their kids ready. Because I mean, I find it hard enough to get myself ready, mm. uh, never mind all of that. And of course, you are a, a father yourself, so indeed. you've you've known something of that. Yes,
1: indeed. <laughs> Always been conditioned a bit by having sort of uh, sacristan-type duties for such a long time. uh, They obviously that sort of impinges on everything. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes. Uh, No, it's uh, it it is it is interesting that mass times
1: and uh, and how people come to church. I think also seen. Very early Masses at sort of 9 and half past 9, it's as though you're kind of trying to get it over with, mm. whereas mm. an 11 o'clock does dominate the day, and perhaps it should. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think what's interesting is maybe, uh, you know, we've, we've had to have uh, a later Mass, actually. When I first got here, I wanted to have a second Mass on Sundays, and I did think about an 8 o'clock or a 9 o'clock, but actually in a city centre context, there's no one around. Uh, or people just going home then. Indeed. <laughs> um, but the second mass that we have now being at six o'clock seems to work well for maybe certain students yeah. for whom 11, even at its later time, might be uh, challenging, shall we say? Yes. Yes. Mm. So I wonder if um, you could say something about your work life. I know that you're retired now, but, you, but you're but you not really because you, you're sacristan here and keeping busy. <laughs> but you obviously had a working life and and your family and you obviously uh, had a a wonderful wife who I got to know Um, would you maybe like to say a little bit more about your family life
1: yes I mean I I'll say my work life I worked for 23 years for a precious metal company an old established one uh, and in the laboratories and the hours were quite reasonable so that's okay Um, met my wife uh, in the church set-up, you know, in the church situation. Uh, Could you say a little bit more about that, how you met? Yes, well, uh, uh, she attended a fencing classes, uh, so she invited me to go along. So we're often at the sword point (laughs) to each other, but obviously things developed and uh, we were married in this church and I have two sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which lives locally in Woodseats, just across yes. the valley, and the other across the sea in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Oh, no. So uh, he's been there now, and is a citizen of uh, of Oz. Of Oz, wow. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and you made a great journey there recently. We recently made a journey, yes, uh, over for about six weeks or so in in Oz. Uh, I would recommend it to to everybody, mm. uh, particularly Melbourne, yes, yep. uh, if you like city living.
0: And how did you manage to juggle uh, both your busy work life, family life and commitment to home, and also you, somebody who's always given a very generous amount of time to the church as well, in terms of your commitment?
1: This was, could be difficult and could cause a bit of frustration, <laughs> but uh, in the younger days of the children, I mean, I, I, I also worked here as a paid employee under the VOLSA scheme when I was made redundant from the precious metal company and it was quite a complicated thing I I did so many hours here from about seven o'clock to about eight or so and then went home took children to nursery uh, and then came back again and finished off a stint here where my wife was also working at this point uh, as as a teacher special needs teacher Uh, and uh, and then, of course, sometimes uh, finishing and then picking up children from uh, nursery uh, on the bicycle, of course, with the children slung behind, yeah. <laughs> as you do. And your, I mean, your particular work in the sacristy. Uh, I must
0: admit, I'm incredibly blessed here by uh, Stephen as sacristan, and now joined by Jean as assistant sacristan. In the two of you, really, and how you just keep
1: things so immaculately and. Is that linked to your faith? Absolutely. Well, I see it as as a real vacation, mm. as part you know part of the, the, uh, the my, my Christian vacation uh, mm. is to do that job. And so, uh, <laughs> so you know it's uh, it's very much a sort of absolute obligation. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well,
0: I'd just like to say uh, thank you, especially uh, to who's whilst they're listening, because I would like to record uh, my public thanks to Stephen uh, for all thank that he you. is and, and, and all that he does, so thank you, Stephen. Thank you. And obviously, in in recent years, uh, there has also been difficult times, maybe, uh, with the, the passing of, Indeed. Of, yeah. of your late wife, Katie, who uh, was a real stalwart here and a great blessing to me as well. Um, and uh, you know sorely missed uh, by someone who we give thanks for as well.
1: It's a great sadness to me in so that she was fighting cancer over a number of years with treatment, and really out of the blue came a, a secondary uh, cancer uh, in her head uh, which proved to be fatal you know and she finished her days during the Covid shutdown which was rather unpleasant really.
0: Mm. Mm. No, that was a a very very difficult time for you. Uh, but I do I do recall as well a time which was suffused with with faith. Um, I I remember, uh, if you don't mind me talking about it, going to visit Katie not long before she passed away, and the duty chaplain who was there, uh, telling me that um, you know she might not at that point be able to to recognise me or to know what was going on when I was preparing her with the viaticum. Uh, but as soon as I went in the room, she just said to me, Hello, Father, I know what you're here for. And it was just wonderful to be able to pray with someone who was well prepared and had faith uh, and had the love of her family around them as well. Um, so that was both a very moving time, but also an inspiring time to me as well To to minister to you That's as a comfort couple. to me, certainly. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen, you are a man of many interests as well.
1: Uh, yes, I don't uh, have time to indulge them particularly. <laughs> so, yes, I mean obviously railways is a is a sort of family interest uh, amongst my siblings as well. You know, uh, so uh, and things mechanical. I, I've been a technician, university technician for so long. And really, I. Retired, and carried on doing the same job. <laughs> well, I must so. admit, it's very handy having you around
0: because anything technical that needs sort of seeing to, uh, either you'll know how to do it or you'll invent a way to solve the problem. So, uh, you've got a great technical mind, uh, which is, I think, complementary to <laughs> to many of the other skills found in the church. Um, and just do you still have this passion for trains today?
1: To, yes. Yes, and Australia was, uh, I could indulge myself in that mm. to a high degree. <laughs> Do they have different gauges out there or anything? Uh, they did, but they virtually standardised. Uh, the, the great uh, uh, trans-Australian used to be about three different gauges, but mm. relatively recent times, I think in about the 70s or 80s, they, they um, established the standard gauge across uh, from uh, uh, you know, east to west uh, line. So, and this is the one we did actually travel on.
0: And do you have, a, have you had a favourite train journey in your life?
1: I have to say it probably was that, actually. Uh, <laughs> couldn't get any more impressive than a three-day train journey, you know. Uh. And where did that go from and to? This was from uh, Perth to the environs of Sydney,
0: yeah.
1: Fantastic. Which uh, we're stopping at Adelaide on the way, yeah.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. And various
1: ins- insignificant places, like a place called uh, Cook, population 4 uh, which uh, when the train of 34 coaches disgorged its content the population went up considerably Oh, I can imagine yeah, <laughs> yeah. they could see those
0: Australian dollar signs <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh that sounds, uh, that sounds fantastic uh, we are particularly fond here of uh,
1: your wheels as
0: well would you like to say something about that maybe uh, oh yes
1: yes of course I, I have a uh, from New Land Rover which is now in its sort of 50 odd year uh, which uh, took myself and my brother across uh, the Sahara uh, on a, on our way to East Africa to see uh, 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 my mother's sister who was a Franciscan nun mm-hmm. uh, in, in Uganda Fantastic. and uh, we, th- we got there, saw her, spent a small t- uh, a short amount of time with her, then proceeded north up uh, Ethiopia and Sudan, and, and back home through uh, uh, Ethiopia, uh, Egypt, and back through Europe. To and, home. and what year was this? This was in 73, I think it was. So, yeah. in the time of Idi Amin? And Absolutely, think, wow. yes. I mean, in fact, uh, when we got to the border with uh, Uganda, uh, we stopped at a mission, I think, uh, Bungoma, I think the name was. And we left the vehicle there uh, for safekeeping, and we yes. took the train to uh, into Kampala and, and Jinja, which was nearer the place where we were going.
0: Very, very
1: sensible. Yeah, but yeah. sounds sounds like a, a, an
0: astonishing journey. And I believe that you met someone from Saint Matthew's. Indeed,
1: there. yes, in in East Africa, we we saw a sign saying Homer Bay, and this sort of clicked. And so we thought, well, we'll go down there and have a look. And uh, we got to this place, and. Uh, there was a, a, a former St. Matthew's uh, a person who we knew had gone to East Africa uh, in, a, in this place. So we went there, and there he was, uh, this, this particular person called Francis Prest. And it was a kind of, you know, <laughs> Francis Prest, I presume. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Mr. Living's so we
1: spent a short time there before we carried on our journey.
0: Yeah. So we are a worldwide fellowship. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. incredible. Yeah. Well, just to conclude, uh, I wanted to ask you, Stephen, about what's the difference that receiving the Eucharist will make to you today as you
1: walk out from this church? I think it just reinforces, it reinforces your faith and I think it makes you, you know, uh, I think what you see makes everything uh, in the context uh, of faith, I think, really, and how you react to things and people, Mm. you know.
0: Well, thank you for this time together, and uh, I'll just give you God's blessing. Thank you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.